educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, hello, everyone. It is Tuesday, December 26th. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan, who is currently down south, enjoying not only a well-deserved break, right, Johnny, but it's a little bit warmer where he is. Um, Johnny Cadillac producing the show today. Johnny, I have a question for you. Um, you I think we had anywhere between uh, four and six inches of snow in the city. Uh, Lincoln has had how many uh, accumulated actual snow days on Christmas since 1897. Do you oh, know? Oh, since 1897? Snow actually on the day that you can measure. This is according to the University of Nebraska database so on how Lincoln many, Weather. So how many Christmas days since 1897? How many days on Christmas did it snow? Uh, 57. Oh! No, up until this last Christmas, just a couple days ago, it was 13. Now it's 14. Oh, I'm way Isn't that off. crazy? Well, how about this one, though? All right, how many total uh, white Christmases have there been in Lincoln? In other words, there's been snow on the ground since 1897. Oh, uh, okay. So before it was when it would snow. When but, it snowed on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, okay, so it'd be more than 13. I'm going to say... 31. Oh, just in numbers. That's cl- that's closer than the, than before. It's uh, 41. Oh, okay. how about that? Pretty cool. So anyway, just some stats there to get you going for a Tuesday, believe it or not. Tomorrow we're going to be talking with Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. They recently filed a district lawsuits against Douglas and Lancaster counties, alleging that the mayors of both cities, Lincoln and Omaha, went too far in issuing executive orders prohibiting concealed weapons on most public property. Uh, LB-77 uh, allows Nebraskans to conceal carry weapons without a permit, but it does not change who is allowed to purchase firearms in Nebraska, nor does it change where people are allowed to carry those weapons. Uh, we're also going to be joined tomorrow by City Councilman Tom Duden, and uh, we'll get his take on not only on that story, but also roads, property taxes, and so much more. All right, today is our monthly check-in with Lancaster County Commissioner Krista Yoakum. Krista, thanks so much for joining us. You're on the phone today. I appreciate that. Oh, Krista, are you there? Oh, I am. Yay. I'm here. I'm sorry. No, that's great. I got, that's... A little, I got a little static just as you gave your cue. Sorry oh, about that. no, that's absolutely fine. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. And Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. And I really appreciate you accommodating me by letting me call in. I've got this cold that it seems that half of the community has right now. And it was kind of nice just to sit at home and watch the snow fall down and not have to go out. I bet. I bet. It's, uh, yeah, it's a little chilly outside. And speaking of that, you know, we've had snow. We were talking about how much snow we got, anywhere between four and six inches or so. Um, it's flurrying out now a little bit. Uh, do you, have you had an update in regards to the road conditions in Lancaster County? Yeah, we've had crews out since uh, before it started, I believe, uh, trying to get ahead of things out there. And uh, very few equipment breakdowns this time around, so that's... Is always good when we're we're dealing with that. So, yeah, I think things are going pretty good out there. I haven't gotten a report today, but certainly did yesterday. Good, good. All right, well, hey, it is your, I think, uh, on the show, I think you had mentioned that this is your last time on the show where you're going to be the chair uh, for the uh, Lancaster County Commissioners. Um, Let's talk about just your service um, in that chair position and uh, what you're most proud of that you've accomplished uh, with the group. Yeah, it's it's our practice to elect a new chair every year, um, you know, and to be elected by among your peers is quite an honor. And, you know, I felt really good about some of the things that we've been able to do this year. A lot of it, of course, was spurred by some of the ARPA funds, uh, truly. 
but you know, getting a good good start in that rural broadband, we were able to start. We started in the southwest quadrant, worked over to the southeast quadrant, the north northeast, and now um, before the weather turned cold here, uh, we were into the northwest quad quadrant. So we expect to have all of that conduit down by April. Um, so you know, that's just bringing us that much closer to rural broadband. That was something that I'd spoken about actually. For years, even before I was elected to the county commission, because I feel if we, in this day and age, if you have that kind of connectivity, we've got a lot of people that can work from anywhere. And if you want to attract, a, you know, the, the best teacher to some of our rural communities and their spouse can work from anywhere, well, that's that's how you get in, right? Yeah. Is by having that connectivity. When it you, builds our local community, you know, our, our local economies by having that. Too. Sure, sure. Uh, when are, when are you expecting for that to be completed? What is your time frame? So our conduit should be done down um, by April, and then it, it's then the providers. And right now we have Aloe uh, starting to put fiber in to that conduit. So um, they're they, they're coming along. They're trying to get to everywhere, but within 180 days of the conduit actually being down. So there is some fiber already down. Now that doesn't mean it's directly to people's homes yet. That's still coming, but we're certainly moving in that direction. Well, we have a new, believe it or not, I cannot believe that the year is almost over, but we have a new legislative session getting ready to start up here in January, and I know you all have uh, some priorities that you really want to focus on, so let's dig into some of those uh, some of those key issues that you're really focused on and what you want to see achieved over the next year. Yeah, I think the legislature is on everybody's mind right now. It seems <laughs> to be in about every conversation I've had. You know, we have standing priorities that we always revisit. And, of course, one of those is property tax relief. And, and, and you know, we want property tax relief. We're property taxpayers, too. Um, but the reality is that as a county board, property tax is really one of the only ways that we have to fund the mandates that were given by the state. Um, so one of the things we, you know, we, it, we've tried to protect inheritance tax in the years past because in, Nebraska, in Lancaster County we use that so that we don't have to raise property tax as much. Um, but if her- inheritance tax goes, we will have to find that funding somewhere else. And it's looking more and more like that is a possibility this session. So that's certainly one of our standing priorities. Of course, um, you know, anything to do with uh, the, the justice system, both the adult and criminal justice system and the juvenile justice system, are priorities for us because we want what's best for our community in keeping people safe, but also in housing the people that must be housed and how do we do that. And how do we um, restore people to go out into the community as well? But really, things that that, um, really affect our whole community that are on our standing priority list are that continuing to work on that second water source. Um, We know that that's likely to be a regional water source. It will be the city and some some of the communities surrounding the city of Lincoln. That's hugely important. And continuing to appeal for funds for that East Beltway, um, which will be mean so much for our whole community by getting that done. Well, Tom Stanton has a request. If you could get that done sooner than later, yeah. he would love that. <laughs> Just a quick trip up to I eighty, you know, into Omaha. So, um, well, I've talked to people even that, that live on the completely the opposite side of Lancaster County. 
that are looking forward to it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it cuts off a lot of time when we have, yeah. <laughs> have some direct yeah. routes there. Hey, let's go back to property tax relief. You talked about just yeah. um, if inheritance tax is dropped and the potential loss of that, and where do you find this? Where do you find extra money and sources of money while trying to also provide property tax relief? Dig more into that for us. Where do you assume or think that funding would come from? And then is there opportunity for you know relief itself for the uh, landowners and homeowners? Yeah. Well, you know, this last year, and, and actually three years that I've served on the commission, we've lowered the levy. Now, I realize that that doesn't mean that individual taxpayers, that they, they've not seen that, that, you know, they right. their, tax, their specific tax, they still go up. But the levy, we've lowered the levy because we feel a responsibility not to just gouge taxpayers and truly hold the levy to what we need to run the county government. But it means that we really need to be looking for, you know, alternative revenues, some other sources of revenues. And I, well, I don't know necessarily what those could be. Some of the things that we've looked at is, you know, removing sales tax exemption on things like sodas and energy drinks and candy. Those sorts of things could be earmarked towards property relief. Uh, Tobacco tax increase. I know that, you know, smokers don't like that, but that's one place. An occupation tax on wineries, and I'm not sure I'm fine with that too much because that cuts into tourism, which brings in different revenue, right? Um, so, you know, these are things that we're, we've, we've talked about, we've kicked around a little bit, but we don't have specific actions there. But there's also the, po- the possibility of increasing some of the statutory fees to really keep pace of the cost of services that are being provided. Because as it is, um, if someone does, you, you talked about um, the, the gun bill earlier um, in the lead-in, that, you know, if you go and apply for a gun permit, the cost of the permit does not really cover the service. So everyone is really augmenting that through property tax. Uh, it just, you know, it's an, it's an older fee and it just hasn't kept up with inflation. And we have other fees that are very similar to that. Um, you know, when we, we've talked about establishing these four services that are provided by the county engineers, that when we issue driveway permits and things like that that, have, that now are at no cost, should they be? Uh, you know, those are not, I don't think any one of those adds up to the actual replacement of that, but we have to be looking at what, are, what alternatives might be out there for us. It's 518. We're talking with Lancaster County Commissioner Krista Yoakum on 1499.3 KLIM. Uh, let's go back to, let's see, you had talked a little bit about this, but the solution's really looking for uh, low-income housing and also their recent valuations. Uh, what is happening in that work? Yeah, so we've been working with Senator Bostar, and actually I think there's a coalition of more people than just the senator looking at this. It was never the intention of the Lancaster County Commission, nor the, the assessor, to damage a low-income housing. You know, we all know the need for that, and mm-hmm. it's crucial to our community. But um, what was happening was, again, um, because of the, the, the way the valuations were fixed for, for many years, property owners in general were also supplementing uh, those low-income uh, housing developers. And so... This was an effort. So changing the valuation last year in Lancaster County was an attempt to make that correct. Um, but what in, in, in effect, it really did have some bad consequences. And we don't want to, uh, you know, to do anything to damage the possibility of adding to the affordable housing stock and the low-income housing stock. 
that is so needed. And so we're looking at how can that be corrected. And I, and I am not on the inside of writing the legislation. I think mm-hmm. there are quite a few people that I know they've looked at things like, would there be an exemption? Um, should there be, a, 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 you know, some sort of a tax cut or rebate or refund? I, you know, and I don't know what they're coming up with in the end. But what we really want to get to is something that's more equitable and something that really works. And this is, while it's a problem rose uh, in Lancaster County, um, it is something that would be pursued across the state. And so this, this bill will affect the entire state. And what we really do, as I said, we really want to get something that, to make it right. What about, um, I know you had uh, sent me some information earlier today in regards to expanding county veterans aid um, to include all active duty service members and how that impacts um, the county itself. Can you share more about that? Yeah, so on that particular bill, this is a really good bill, I think. What happens is people come into our veterans, county veterans aid, um, and they are not eligible for service. And maybe they were, you know, they maybe they re- responded to 9-11. Maybe they responded to uh, Hurricane Katrina, things like that, where they were not overseas, and it's spelled out in the statute that they had to be serve overseas uh, in active duty. But they certainly were away from extended periods of time. They were exposed to a lot of hardship, those sorts of things. We want to expand that to be able to serve anyone who's in active duty um, and and those who served in the National Guard. That would be changing that definition for the county only. It doesn't change state benefits, doesn't change federal benefits. But we think that this would be a um, a good way to serve the people of our county. And we've got staff ready to do that. So that's a really good thing. That's good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, public safety obviously is uh, important, highly important. It's always on the you know forefront of people's minds, especially especially over the last few years. We've seen some increase in, in um, uh, just the safety of uh, what the public desires. Uh, you had mentioned uh, house arrest for work release inmates. Explain more about that and what that means and how that can impact our community. So as we're looking for, um, you know, the our jail has been at capacity. That's yep. no secret, and yep. we've discussed that. I've been I've discussed it on the program here. Um, alternatives to that, and and one of those is if someone can be out on work release for, you know, ten to twelve hours a day, um, why do they need to return to the jail? Um, you know, for the rest for the remainder of the of their hours of the twenty four hour day. And it causes a lot of additional work for the jail, checking for contraband as people are coming and going and that sort of thing. It's a lot of staff time doing that. Um, and it probably wouldn't work for every person, um, but there are probably are many that could be reunited with family if that's, the, if that's appropriate um, or, you know, could be back in the community. Similar terms to maybe, you know, wearing a, a, a monitor, an ankle monitor, reporting in to people, those sorts of things. There still needs to be that accountability. But um, I think it's worth looking into that possibility. We've got a lot of families that are ripped apart by incarceration, and um, some it certainly is appropriate, but others it may not be. Do you think that, Do you think the cost would um, – would you be able to save in cost in that? Yeah, or would there also yeah. be oversight outside of that, obviously, that I think the community be, would be concerned about? Right, and I don't have a specific fiscal note on this, but our community corrections is much more uh, 
it's, it's much cheaper than incarcerating someone when we look at a 24-hour period. Um, so it would fall under some of that, those sorts of costs. All right. Um, one other thing you'd uh, talked about or shared about radios for rural fire departments. I was interested in this. Is this an upgrading or is it just uh, basic needs that are needed? It, this is basic needs, really. Um, every that's every that just surprised attend, me. Yeah, no. Every time I attend one of our rural firefighters meetings, and they meet monthly, and county commissioners do attend, it is an issue where there are dead spots in the counties where their radios, you know, they can't communicate with others, um, and, and they're 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 really using antiquated. I think they're twenty twenty five years old. The radios that they're using. I don't think very many of us have the same cell phone that we had 25 years <laughs> right. ago. Right, sure. let alone a year ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it really, they need to be brought into the, the digital world here. And it's a huge, um, huge cost. We did put aside a half a million dollars in ARPA funding to explore this and to, to see what the possibilities were. And we actually have, I think there are five or six possibilities um, for upgrades here. And um, it's not just Lancaster County. It's all of the mutual aid for the counties that we do mutual aid with as well. So this would affect Saunders, Cass. I think it goes into Odo County, Gage, certainly, Seward, um, because they all need to be communicating with each other. They provide aid to each other. Um, and so it's a really big undertaking. My guess is there's probably across the state we probably would find other radio systems also needing to be upgraded there like i said there's dead spaces where they can't get any um there aren't enough radios to go around for every person in some cases um and we don't want to leave anybody vulnerable out there in the field right that needs to be yeah taken care of well good well krista thank you so much it's been great to to meet you on through the show here and just be able to spend some time with you uh, i know the last time i spoke with you as well you had some great information just thanks for all your service we really appreciate it i know you do a lot of work with the team there uh just to help provide for our county and it's greatly appreciated so thanks so much thank you and thanks for the opportunity to share uh, some of the insights with the community as we're going forward here. All right. Krista Yoakum, Lancaster County Commissioner. Krista, thanks again for joining us today. It is 525, and you're listening to Lincoln's number one news and talk station, 1499 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499 KLIN. Well, welcome back. It's 528, 29 degrees in Lincoln. A little flurrying out there, so be careful when you're driving around, especially overnight. Uh, you know, after you're, uh, they scoop the, the streets the first time, that next day usually is pretty slick in the morning, so just be careful with that. And keep it tuned here to KLIN. Chris Lofgren's going to take care of you in the traffic area. Speaking of KLIN, we are the flagship station from the Nebraska Broadcasters Association Governor's Call-In Show. Um, there are more than 40 member stations that carry the show across the state. So if you don't know about this, a lot of people don't. Uh, Governor Pillen is joined by our own, Mark Vale, uh, once a month, and they have a great show. And it's time for you know you to get involved with that. All you have to do, if you want to chat with the governor, is call 800-799-7696, or you can call our direct line at 402-479-1400. You can join the show. Our next one is January 8th at 2 p.m. Well, coming up in the second half of the show, tax expert Mark Burtz is going to be joining us. He's going to share with us uh, some year-end and year-beginning tips that will save you a lot of money in your taxes. Plus, we're going to talk about how you can win a 1972 Corvette Stingray convertible. It's a beauty, my friends. Black outside, 
Red on the interior. It's something that you're going to definitely want to stick around and hear about on this one. Up next, we're going to check in with Fox News and then KLIN News with Chase Porter. You are listening to 1499.3 KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Educating. Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. We want to thank you uh, for joining us on your drive home today. It's 537, 29 degrees out, a little bit of light snow. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan for the next, um, well, next few days, actually, um, through Friday. And then Friday, there's only a half show. We've got uh, Husker men's basketball uh, that'll be taking place with the pregame starting at 530. So we'll have half a show with Johnny. Okay, good. You you were on the same page. But I, that was one of those things I was meaning to tell you is that we had a half show on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll take care of that as it comes. We've got a great lineup throughout the rest of the week, so we'd love to have you tune in. All right, well, uh, on top of many people's New Year's resolutions is to save more money. And one area that you can do that is being proactive and prepared uh, with everybody's favorite taxes that's it's just a it's just a joy so i invited tax expert mark birch to the show he probably thinks it's a joy uh, he's the president and ceo of birch and associates here in town also the owner of mark birch motorsports uh, both are here in lincoln so mark welcome to the show and do you love taxes well i do you know i'm very <laughs> passionate about it so uh, you know i guess it's people like me that that are um you know, available to assist those who don't quite love it so much. <laughs> well, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that a lot. So now you're an enrolled agent, and I know we've talked about this before, but why don't you share with us what the difference is between an enrolled agent and the CPA? Well, sure. Um, most people are most familiar with a CPA, which is a certified public accountant. Uh, in the in the United States, there's about uh, roughly 600,000 CPAs, and then there's only about uh, 53,000 of us that are enrolled agents, and the primary difference is uh, we're an enrolled agent is, is licensed federally. You take a federal tax exam. Uh, we specialize in taxation, and uh, CPAs have a little bit broader um, um, background, maybe uh, do auditing or, or compilation review, financial statements, things like that, but they also work in tax. Most of the CPAs I, I know uh, work in taxation. Um, but uh, CPAs are licensed by the state of Nebraska in this case, and and enrolled agents are are licensed by the Department of Treasury. Well, that keeps you busy then, because I mean, I, I from from knowing you and and we've known each other for a long time. Um, you're just very educated, very knowledgeable, uh, with a lot of what's going on. And I'm assuming that's part of being an enrolled agent. 
Well, yeah, both both enrolled agents and CPAs have re, uh, uh, required uh, education, uh, continuing education that that we uh, have to upkeep every year. Um, and then there was about a seven year span where I was uh, teaching continuing education yeah. as well. And so uh, since pandemic and the uh, numerous uh, amounts of uh, tax law changes. Um, you know, I just didn't have time to do that. It was everything I could do to, to keep my staff up to date and, um, and, uh, serve our clients. So, uh, tax season, uh, is now never ending. It starts in January <laughs> and ends in December. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we, we have a, a lot, uh, a lot going on, uh, not, not, not just post pandemic, but also, uh, Nebraska's had some great changes here, too. Yeah, let's talk about those new tax laws and regulations. What are some of the changes um, that people need to be prepared for for 2023? Well, on the state side, it's, it's very interesting. Um, certainly, we're in the, the phase-out of Social Security benefits being taxable. Um, we're in the phase-in of the continuing with the property tax credits, um, also, last year they they passed a uh, military retirement exclusion, so Nebraska is becoming more uh, tax friendly in that regard. Um, certainly, everybody is uh, who pays real estate taxes is appreciating the relief um, that has to be filed on the form uh, PTC with your Nebraska individual tax return, or also with your entity return. The new in 2023, um, we've been uh, doing a lot of work on this lately. It's the uh, pass-through entity tax uh, credits, which are also retroactive. I think Nebraska was the 36th or 37th state to jump on board with this, but I think only one of two states that had a retroactive. So um, we've been spending a lot of time looking back at 2018 through 2022, for whether you have an S-Corp or an LLC that's taxed as a partnership or an S-Corp, uh, the potential for some savings are there even yet this year. And um, there's there's information on the Nebraska Department of Revenue's website under pass-through entity tax. They finally updated their frequently asked questions. And so there's a lot of good information out there. I, we, we've kind of found a threshold. Um, if, if you've had over... $100,000 in pass-through entity income over the last, uh, those five years, 2018 through 2022, it very well could be a, a benefit to looking at going back, paying the pass-through entity tax, generating a tax credit um, that could be used yet on your 2023 Nebraska uh, tax return. And so we've, uh, we've been generating a lot of tax savings for our clients here over the last few weeks. Uh, working on that project. I've, uh, I spoke with a friend of mine who's a business owner as well, and we were talking about this specific subject. Um, this is something that, I mean, we could, you could take advantage of it in 2023 before the end of the year here. We got a few days left. Or it, it also, you can benefit from it if you don't, right? If you wait till yeah, next year. Yeah. I mean, so if you, yeah, I mean, obviously time is of the essence. And if you can't get it handled now, you could still create, uh, that credit and use it. And you don't even have to use all of it. You could use some in each year, or you could use some of it going forward. But uh, it's certainly worth looking at that look-back period, which is a very rare occasion to have uh, retroactive tax planning uh, such as this. But I, mean, I think for the, the, the group of clients, for, uh, for us, just for our smaller firm, 
Um, I think we're going to generate well over a million dollars in tax savings for mm. our whole group of clients. So it's pretty significant. What do you recommend for the listener that's, you know, it's like, hey, it's the end of the year. What are some of the things that they can take advantage of or tips to really help them save money? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking me that. And once again, thanks for having me on. Sure. I love talking with you about these things. And you can see how passionate I am about uh, income taxes, of all things. But that's my calling, you know. Um, I think the first thing I want to point out is that um, sometimes we have opportunities to pay tax or create taxable events. So, for example, if we had lesser income for for 2023, maybe we look at – selling some stocks and and paying tax at a really low rate or even maybe a zero rate. Or maybe also we look at doing a Roth conversion or something like that where we're actually generating income in 2023 yet because the tax rates rates are are very low. And so those are are two important things that we don't want to overlook because I just don't know. I don't always think zero is the best amount of tax to pay. I think it's good to pay some tax, and with the rates as low as they are, even 10 and 12%, and some at 22, uh, those are the lowest tax rates that we've seen in our lives. And um, it's not a bad thing to maybe look at some some tax planning that generates income even. So once we get past that, then we got to look at what are some of the most popular and most common deductions that you would find uh, to to potentially save some income. And I think the the first one that, that I always like to look at that it's sometimes overlooked is harvesting any stock losses that we may have had. And so um, if you look at your portfolio and, and if you did have some things that you had gains and if you also had some things that you had some losses, sometimes it's good to sell those stocks, generate a loss that you could deduct potentially up to $3,000 or offset other gains up to the extent of those gains. And um, so that's that's one big way uh, to maybe create some some tax savings there. Hey, Mark, in, in that area, like if you sell stock and you have a loss, can you carry that over? Like yes, you it, can. And and if you don't use it all, you could carry it to next year. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing that you can do too is maybe you're really attached to your ABC manufacturing stock, and even though it had a loss, you can wait 31 days and buy it back to avoid what's called the wash sale rules so that so that you can actually um harvest those losses so so that that's that's one great strategy um another one that that is sometimes overlooked is a lot of people do have health savings accounts and although you may be contributing through your your employer payroll or maybe your employer's contributing to your HSA um the limits are are sometimes higher than what people contribute. So you still have the ability uh, to make contributions to your HSA, and that's uh, something that you can look at. And I believe that goes through the due date of the tax return, along with um, IRA or retirement account contributions. Now, if you have a 401K at work, those payroll deductions need to be out uh, by the end of the year. But uh, if you qualify for an IRA, uh, traditional IRA, that, that may help save you taxes immediately. You have till April 15th uh, to make that contribution. Um, some people could make a Roth IRA contribution, which may not particularly get them a tax deduction now. 
it could qualify for them for a small uh, retirement savers credit, depending on their income level. But uh, certainly a Roth IRA is a very popular uh, investment uh, alternative that that should prove to have a tax-free benefit on, on the backside. And then uh, the other thing too is that perhaps uh, if you have a, a if you have a small business or a business, um, there's still time to to purchase equipment, and we're running short on time. But that equipment does need to be placed in service before the end of the year. So if you go to the dealer and you know order a new Escalade, uh, if you don't take delivery of it, um, you know the business portion of that vehicle is not going to be deductible until it's. Uh, placed into service. So, and then the last thing that's also really important is, uh, especially when you get that last pay stub of the year, it's always really good, even throughout the year, to review those withholdings that you have to make sure that uh, they're taking enough taxes out uh, for federal and state taxes. Um, and and so many times we see people that either change employment or um, change a job status or something like that, uh, and they fill out a new W-4, and then they get a surprise at the end of the year because they didn't have enough tax withheld. So we're constantly asking people to review those. It's 548. We're talking with tax expert Mark Birch on 1499 3 KLIM. Uh, Mark, one, what's one, uh, before we get into um, this Corvette that is amazing and it's a beauty, uh, before we get into that, what's one of the biggest mistakes people have when they file their taxes? Oh, the, that's a, that's a, a great question. <laughs> I think the biggest mistake people make is um, unreported income. I think a lot of times people do not. They forget that maybe they they changed jobs and and took a retirement account distribution, or maybe they won some money at the casino and uh, got a W-2G. I think unreported income is probably the the biggest mistake that I see are not having all their documents together. And filing an extension, is that okay? I hear a lot of people worried about, I was too. A few years ago, I was worried about filing an extension thinking maybe that would trigger an audit. Okay, um, so that you're going to get a great assist for the layup here. I, I heard you talking <laughs> basketball. So, yeah, so filing an extension, although it's only an extension to file your return, it's not an extension to pay the tax. So, you know, we we always want to make sure that, that if we're extending anything, that all the taxes are paid up uh, by April. But, you know, entity returns are due in March, March 15th, and we're still, you know, getting the bulk of our workload in yet in March. So, so, yeah, we, we file extensions uh, for a large number of our tax returns that we prepare, and we spread our workload out to give our employees some work-life balance. But, you know, the, the old fallacy, oh, you're going to get audited or the IRS is going to look down on you, uh, the, the IRS is probably happy you're filing an extension because um, th- they have processing problems there, too. They're, they're still um, have millions of unprocessed returns. They're They're very far behind, but... Uh, filing the extension is a healthy thing, in my opinion. Um, we need to give work-life balance to our employees. We need to spread our workload out so that we can do good work and uh, take the time that each return needs to be done properly, get reviewed properly, and, and we want to do really good work. So year-end tax planning prior to that is important, and then extending those returns. I've extended mine for over 30 years now, so um, and, and mine is always the last one to get filed. 
so we, we, we make sure we get all our clients' returns done before before I get mine done. All right, Mark, we're going to take a, a quick break here. When we come back, I want to hear more about that Corvette. It's 5.51. We're going to uh, take that final break before we wrap up the show. You're listening to Lincoln's number one news and talk station, 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. It's 554. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan. We've been talking with Mark Birch from Birch and Associates about taxes, but he also owns Mark Birch Motorsports. They're a huge supporter of the Team Jack Foundation, and every year uh, they've been giving away some pretty amazing cars through their sweepstakes. So, Mark, uh, share with us more about this car that you're giving away for this year's sweepstakes. Hey, Doug. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I it cut out just for a oh, second. There. That's okay. So I was just saying, you get, every year you guys support uh, Team Jack, and you give away amazing cars. Uh, what's online for this year? It's an amazing, beautiful, yeah, this, beautiful this year's car. This car is unbelievably. <laughs> uh, it's it's an eye catcher. Um, so we did a we did a the first car we did was a 1980 Trans Am, and then we did a '73 Corvette, a red uh, with black interior, T top. But the, and and then we had a we had a line on a on a Bronco last year a new Ford Bronco but but this thing is hands down the coolest car so uh, and I got to give Dave and his crew uh, a shout out at uh, Restore Muscle Car because they they did uh, some of the work on this car uh, it's it's black with lipstick red interior um, it, it's a it's a nice uh, 350 automatic so anybody could drive it. Uh, modified uh, slightly, but uh, just a little over 37,000 miles. Now, I got to say, uh, some of those miles were put on it by me. <laughs> because I think uh, I may have it, seen you flying around at night in the middle of the uh, night with that well, thing. I, yeah, I usually, yeah, I've driven it a few times, and uh, it's a great car. It's got the trim rings and the, the radial TA tires, um, but, but it's, it's a convertible and not only is it a soft top convertible, it also has a hard top. Mm. So it's it's a pretty rare car, thirty seven thousand miles on it. Uh, it's it's pretty much a two owner car. I mean, it obviously it, it it's in my hands right now. But but yeah, Dave uh, at Restore Muscle Car found this thing. It was kind of a barn find, and uh, they uh, they've made this thing just look absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, uh, we're excited to, to give this to the team Jack foundation, uh, in a, in a sweepstakes form now. So there's no purchase necessary to win. Um, so you can go to the team Jack foundation, uh, .org, uh, go to their website under events. And that's where you can see some more pictures of it. And, uh, you can donate to enter. The more you donate, the more tickets you can, you can get. And uh, once again, those tickets are tax deductible due to the structure of the sweepstakes. And also there's there's no uh, purchase necessary uh, to to go on and try and win this car. But uh, we're we're really excited. Um, We've had a a, like a 10 or 11 year involvement with the Team Jack Foundation now just since after the first year, Um, you know, we're just so amazed by the family and by the organization and uh, by Lindsay and Kylie there that work so hard uh, for the foundation. Um, we're just thrilled to continue to be involved with them and, and try and help raise money for 
what is a, a great cause, and uh, pediatric brain cancer is a, a serious, serious killer of children. And and um, as a as a father who has two healthy kids, um, it just means the world to me to be able to help. Yeah, it's a great organization. KLIN participates as well and helps with the Radiothon, and and we appreciate that. All right, get uh, if you would, just give out the information again on how people can find the information regarding the sweepstakes and to be able to help the Team Jack Foundation out. You bet. So um, you go to teamjackfoundation.org, click on the events, and under uh, 1972 Corvette Stingray, there's some great pictures there. Uh, the pictures don't do it justice. I do have, I, I had the car appraised and, um, the winner's going to really have, uh, something special. So, uh, yeah, teamjackfoundation.org. Um, you can enter for free. You can make a donation to win tickets. And, uh, I, I can't wait to give this thing away in April of 2024. All right. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it today. Thanks, Doug. I you appreciate bet. the time. You bet. Mark Birch. You can check out Mark Birch and Associates. Also, uh, go to the teamjackfoundation.org and check out that Corvette giveaway. Big thanks to our guests today, Krista and Mark, and also Johnny Cadillac for producing the show. You've been listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. We'll see you tomorrow.